In this episode, there are references to sexual, mental and or physical abuse and could trigger some listeners. Please switch off now if you think this episode could be upsetting. The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. A quick introduction for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before. I'm Daniel, and each week I bring you a conversation with someone who I think is inspirational or brings something inspiring to the podcast. It's about things that change or could change our lives, and that's why I called it Life Changes You. Listen to the range of topics around psychology, mental health and inspiration and find out how life changes you. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I'm really glad to be in season five. It's really good. As I said the other week, I took a bit of time off because of personal issues. But now it's great to be able to set up some great guests and to talk to some amazing people. And today I have Mila from Germany and she's an intuitive life coach. And I think by the time you finish listening to her story, you'll see the reason I've put her in the beginning of the season, which is about inspiring and strong women. So hello, Mila. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Well, we've sort of followed each other a little while on Instagram and I've liked some of the stuff you've done. You've liked some of the stuff I've done. And then I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I just messaged you and said, hey, because I, I listened to your podcast, that's right. And I really liked what you, you were talking to. I don't know your, your co-host, I've forgotten his name, but you were both so open and raw about everything you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was very exciting to hear from you because I love your podcast as well. And I listened to a few episodes, very inspiring. So I was very happy to be here and yeah, to be able to share my story and hopefully inspire others. Oh, look, I'm sure you will. And look, it's amazing, isn't it? How, you know, a couple of years ago, Zoom was just starting and no one really thought much about it. And now we can talk to people over the other side of the world about different things and different topics and inspire people, which is just brilliant. I love that. And I love that um, Instagram, for instance, that we were able to connect through that. I absolutely love that because I always used to have this idea of social media just being so like, you know, fake and just, but I really love that I built a lot of genuine connections over social media. And I think it's what you put in is what you get out. Oh, exactly. Look, you know, I've got so many friends now around the world that we just jump on and start chatting and it's like, wow. You know, a few years ago, I didn't even know these people existed. And now I've got all these new friends that, you know, I just love talking to. Anyway, look, do you want to tell me a little bit about what an intuitive life coach is? Yeah. Well, I started my journey um, just thinking, how can I give back? You know, how can I give back? And when I talk a little bit about my story, you'll understand how I got there. But Basically, life coaching kind of came across again and again. And then when I started coaching, that's where the word intuitive came to it. Because I am a strong intuitive person. I, you know, believe in a lot of uh, what you call esoteric things. Yeah. But so I think the reason why I believe in those things, because I usually can explain them in a logical way to myself, like the quantum physics and everything that's behind a lot of what we call esoterics. 
The reason I call myself an intuitive life coach is because my sessions are literally guided by my intuition. There is no script. There is no fit all size uh, kind of thing that yeah. I use for my clients. When I work with a client, I never know if I'm going to bring meditation into it. I never know if I'm going to hear some sort of uh, this inkling inside of me that says we need to close our eyes and do some breathing exercise or we need to do this sort of therapy that I used to work with somebody where you bring all of you pain together into a ball, put it outside of you. I mean, there's so many different tools that I picked up that I never know what's going to come up. So every session is sort of a beautiful new experience for me, just as it is for a client. And another thing that I think intuitive life coach specifically is different from a regular life coach, or maybe it's not, it depends on uh, how people work, is that in the beginning of the session, I feel the energy very strong. I'm what are you called an empath. I do energy work well, so I feel the energy in the beginning of the session. Even if the person is smiling and telling me everything is well, I can yeah. feel the energy. And then by the end of the session, I can also feel the change or shift in energy. And that really confirms to me. The client doesn't have to tell me anything. I can feel the energy and I can see the shift. And I think sometimes during the session, you can also feel that that beginning of that shift. You can see the aha moment and you pick up on that and, and build your session with that. And that's why intuitive life coach, because it's just guided by messages that come through by intuition. It's And I also don't ever say, I did this for you. I feel like I'm a channel and I just let the messages come through that are important for the client in that moment. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I know what you mean by aha moments, because when I was counseling, you know, when someone, as you say, you're guiding them in a way, and then all of a sudden they go, yes, ah, oh, this is what I have to do. And you go, aha, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because you don't want to be the person just saying, oh, this is what you need to do. You need to get them to think it through and, and to work through their own, their, their own way. Absolutely. You, as a coach, we have to hold the space for them to come to their own solutions, to their own answers, to their own understanding of things. But I think especially using my intuition, yeah, I love the sessions with my clients because I just can relax into it and let the messages come through. I meditate for the sessions. Usually I try to connect with like on a higher plane. Yeah. And for me, logically, it makes sense too. If I take those few minutes to meditate before the session and I put my mind in a state where I'm open to whatever comes through in the session, you kind of set that intention in your mind to connect with your client Yep. It's not intuitive. I can say that logically it makes sense too. When you take a few minutes to just put your mind in the right space for that session, that makes all the difference. So I'm a very strong intuitive person, but I also always use the logical explanation also for a lot of my clients who are not maybe as esoteric or open to some of the things. My yep. clients always to me too that you have a really good way to put it logically so everyone can work with <laughs> And that's sometimes the way, isn't it? I mean, like I remember when I did did my counseling studies, there were so many words that I learned and I realized that if I was to use all those words when I'm talking to normal people who want counseling, they're not going to have a clue of what I'm talking about. 
And yet my lecturers and that said, oh, no, these are the words you need to use and the phrases you need to use. And I'm like, no one will know what I'm talking about. If I, I can't even think of a word now, but such words that are so out there that only if you'd learned counseling or life coaching, you'd actually understand what those words meant because they're not words that you use every day. Absolutely. And we, as a coach, you usually mirror the energy of the client a little bit too back. So you also pick up on their language and try to speak in their language sort of so that they can understand what you're saying and where you're going with it. So yeah. it's important. Wow. So what led you to become an intuitive life coach? <laughs> this is a, yeah, a long story, but basically it started sometime in 2015 where I had a as a mother of two young kids, working full-time, my husband worked full-time, we were both really busy, and um, all of a sudden, one night, I had a total meltdown. Yeah. My daughter was actually really sick that night, and she was, like, throwing up and all that, and I just lack of sleep and everything. And at some point, I felt like I was getting sick, and then all of a sudden, I found myself in the bathroom on all fours, and I couldn't move. I was, like, paralyzed for a few moments and my husband came in and found me there and he said later my face was really green like it it was very strange color anyway when I started moving I came out and I had really really bad heart palpitation like I was breathing so hard and I couldn't stop it just wouldn't stop so I ended up in the hospital and I was kept there overnight checked out and everything everything actually was fine the only thing that the that my calcium levels were super low and it was an indication that I had a really strong panic attack. Right. So that was my first panic attack that I was aware of and that kind of spiraled out that I couldn't stop the panic attacks. I couldn't find a way to stop them anymore. Like they put me on strong medication because I had to get my heart rate down and I couldn't do it with anything, breathing, nothing. So I was put on strong medication And for the next four weeks, I was taking medication and sleeping. So I think my body maybe needed that too, that sleeping, but also the medication, of course. um, It calmed my heart down, but it it literally put me out. And I didn't realize that at that time when I think back, I didn't know what was going on with my kids. I didn't know what was going on around me at all. Like it was just, everything was a blur. I was just sleeping, just not knowing. My mom was there, thankfully, taking care of my kids and helping with the chores at home and everything and taking care of me. And then after four weeks, I started slowly lowering the dosage down to see how I was feeling. And I started seeing other doctors and I also started therapy. So I started a kind of getting back to myself and surprisingly or not so surprisingly I don't know for most people that have a burnout they take a while to get back I was back to work after six weeks in total wow full time yeah and I wasn't doing well but for some reason I thought that this is what I have to do there's no no other way around it I just went back to work I was shaking I was highly medicated and I was just trying to get through the day And for the first year after that, this is basically was my life. I just went to work and stayed in medications. I'd come home. I did, you know, do the regular things like cook and do laundry and things like that and go to work. But it was just very 
unaware. It was just kind of an autopilot, just kind of doing the thing yeah. and going through the motion. And my mom always tells me that she used to cry a lot because she saw me in this strange state and she just hoped so there that so much that I would somehow feel better one day because I was like a zombie. I was just walking back and forth, doing my things, going to therapy. I did start exercising, which I think helped me keep my panic attacks intact. In, in um, yeah. It was like um, finding a balance. So I never was like a person who loved sports or anything, but I started exercising and I started noticing that I was starting to feel a little bit better and like um, gaining more control of my body. That was the exercise part. The therapy helped me get over the fear of getting back into a panic attack. So yeah. that was kind of that part. But I still had, I was still heavily medicated. And I remember one day, it was a beautiful, beautiful spring day. We were sitting on the playground with my kids and my sister and her kids and my mom. We're a very close family, a lot of love, a lot of support. And we were sitting there with beautiful blue skies. And all of a sudden, I looked at everyone and kids are playing, running around. And I thought, wow, I felt like I was watching a, a movie that I wasn't part of. And I realized... That was a big moment for me. I realized that I, I couldn't go on like this. I didn't want to anymore. I needed to change something. And I also knew that everything that I was doing was the traditional things that you could do to help yourself. Yeah. That was enough for me. That wasn't helping me enough to get back into a normal life. So at that point, I just decided for myself, I'm going to look for alternative ways of therapy. And... That wasn't completely new to me because how I grew up, I grew up in Kazakhstan in a very, very small village. We had like women that could heal if you had a toothache and things like that, that you went to, you know, we had alternative ways there that we were exposed to as children and stuff. And I was okay with that. But here I decided, okay, I needed to do something. That was a pivotal moment. And... By coincidence, which I don't believe in coincidences, my friend came over to visit and told me about this woman that she was working with online. She was from Russia, and I speak Russian, so it was it was perfect. And she was doing this alternative way of therapy, and I started working with her, and we worked three times a week for about a year. Yeah. That's how long it took. And the first two or three months that we were working, well, first of all, after about the second or third session, now nobody should do this at home when I'm going to say, okay. but she asked me um, if I was willing to get off the medication because she said, I have to get to that deep part of your brain, which I can't get to if you're medicated. Yeah. And nobody should do this. Talk to your professionals if you decide to, but I did quit the medication. Yep. And it carefully like you were supposed to but I did it because she was there for me and she was guiding me through it and I absolutely had no fallbacks or anything the first two months of that therapy I cried and cried and cried through every session and the therapy basically she works uh, with closing emotional cycles right so you close your eyes and she would start by saying what did you feel today? 
And sometimes it would be physical pain, like, oh, I feel tightness in my neck. Yep. Or sometimes it would be, I feel so sad today, or I feel happy. And she would say, okay, just look into that feeling. And you just observe that feeling, that physical feeling or emotional feeling without judgment. You just observe it until pictures come up. And these pictures usually add up into an understanding of where that emotion is coming from, where that physical symptom is coming from. I understood for me that behind every physical symptom is an emotion yep. that we dealt with. And she would guide me through those emotions and help me close the cycles. So little by little, I started to release all these stuck emotions in me and pictures were coming up so that a few months later, I started to smile during the sessions. I started to feel light. I was literally, I felt like this weight was shedding off of me and I started feeling lighter. People at work started to notice. People were coming to me and saying, what are you doing? You're, you're like glowing. You're so resilient to stress. You're like full of life. People started getting really attracted to being around me and they wanted to know more and they wow. wanted. So I realized for me that like during that year that there's so much more you can do for yourself when you need help. You just have to be open to whatever help um, is coming towards you and willing to try and find what works for you. And that kind of opened me up to spirituality. I started reading books. I think Dr. Wayne Dyer in his Wishes Fulfilled kind of fell into my lap. That was my first book that I really connected to. And, you know, he talks a lot about his personal journey of healing and everything. And I really, really resonated with his story. And I started reading all kinds of different books. And then, you know, when you start soaking up all that information and all that what's coming in from the outside and you start feeling better, you're thinking, okay, what's next? It's like you, your jar becomes so full, it's overflowing with all this information and with all this feeling like there's more I can give. So I, I came into this space of where I felt like, okay, how can you give? How can you share that with others? How can you kind of show others that they can live through hard things and still live a full, fulfilled life. Actually, it, I don't even regret having that burnout. I yep. love having it because without that, I would have still been living through life completely unaware. That burnout opened my eyes to so many things. I think I became a better mother, a better person in general. And then I, I was kind of an Instagram, but not really. I didn't have my Mila's Journey to Self page yet. I just had a regular, like, personal page yep. for family and stuff. And I came across a coach, and we had one session with a coach. After talking to him, I was like, I have to share my story. I have to share my story. And he kind of just created that space for me. And I think... That night or the night after I created Mila's Journey to Self, my page on Instagram, and it was the purpose was just to share my story, everything I went through, to share all the tools that I picked up for one, to inspire them to see that there is a way out of a hard situation always. So that's kind of in short and like things that came up, obviously, during those years of 
waking up um, and that kind of catapulted that even farther, you know. And that, and that first experience with a coach kind of started, yeah, opened me up to hmm, coach, interesting, interesting way of helping people, kind of in a way of therapy, but other uh, different, you know, because you're just creating a space and allowing people to find their own answers. Yeah. And then I kind of let it sit there, you know, I thought, okay, when the right time is, I'll know. And then uh, I came across the course from Mind Valley. I don't know if you're familiar. Mind Valley is mm. pretty big at personal development. They were offering a course, start your coaching business in 21 days. And that's basically how I got started as a coach. Wow. Yeah, it was 21 days and I got my first paying client during that time. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Look, I have seen adverts like that and I've just thought, ah, no, that's not going to work. But you're obviously yeah. proof that it does work. Um, and that's really good to hear because, yeah, as I say, I see adverts on Instagram all the time and think, I, I don't know about that. But I was just going to say to you, like when you said, um, you know, you had to go through the burnout and you don't regret the burnout because it's brought you to where you are now. I mean, some listeners who have already heard me talk about this, when I got fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, it was at the time and it wasn't nice. It was horrible. But those three to four months that I was really ill, as I started getting better, I realized that I'd always wanted to do counseling, but I'd never had the time because I was always working. And as yeah. I started getting better, I worked part-time. So then I had time to do online study. So I completed my diploma in, I actually finished it in 15 months, but you weren't allowed to submit for 18 months. You had to be 18 months doing the 18 books. But I was finished in 15 months and I just thought, wow, you know, that's really it. The best thing about doing a diploma in counseling is you learn so much about yourself, which you would never, ever learn by just sitting there going, well, what can I do for myself? My whole way of thinking, of feeling, of understanding people, of listening, you know, it just changes your whole insight into the world. And, you know, I don't think I was as stressful or anything like that before I did the counseling, but I felt a lot more balanced once I'd done it. And so I say to people, you know, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia was one of the worst things to happen to me. But from that, I got to be able to change what I wanted to do and change the direction in my life. So I still have fibromyalgia. I still have some other illnesses, but I've learned to adapt and work with them. So people say to me, look, I get people who say, wow, it's really positive. I have fibromyalgia. It was great hearing your story. And other people say, oh, look, you know, obviously your fibromyalgia is not as bad as mine and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying anyone's better or worse with fibromyalgia, but I just, I, I had a specialist tell me you're either going to be in a wheelchair or you're going to be bedridden. So that's what's going to happen with fibromyalgia. And I was like, that's never going to happen to me. I would rather go fast, uh, not go fast, but do a lot and burn out again than sit around in bed going, what can I do? Unless you believe in uh, in the afterlife and, and other lives, which it might be, I don't know. But for me, I thought in this life, I need to achieve as much as I can. And I want to do a lot of stuff and I want to help a lot of people. Absolutely. And I actually do believe in past lives, but I still think that in this life, I'm here to achieve my highest potential. Yeah. And it has nothing to do if I'm going to be reborn again or if I have another chances. For this life, I have this one chance to do the best that I can do. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I do resonate with what you're saying. And I think it's that understanding when you go through something like a burnout or you, your illness or um, other traumatic experiences in life, you can get stuck in those. And sometimes it's really hard to get out, but you have to seek help. Yeah. And once you do get past those, for me, when I, I knew that I was over the hump, so to say, yeah. when I could stand that what had happened to me only made me better, only pushed me further. I feel so much stronger after all of that experience, you know? I mean, like I was talking during the sessions with, with, with this woman that I was working with, uh, for instance, things that came up like traumatic experiences, because when you're going through a burnout, depression or, or, or these um, panic attacks, I mean, you always ask yourself, or I always ask myself, what is it that's creating this in me? You know, when I've understood that there's an emotion behind, I always ask myself, what kind of things are compounding to this one big thing that my body is now like shaking me every day to yeah. tell me to look deep inside and deal with your feelings and deal with everything. I talked about this on my podcast. I was raped when I was 17. Wow. It took me a while to get through this. Actually, as most rape victims, you walk through life and you, I ignored it completely. Like it was just a bad experience behind me. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. During those sessions, I, it came up again, obviously, and I did deal with the emotions. I went through all the shame and the guilt uh, that you feel for yourself and, and all of those emotions and anger, everything that was coming up. We went through it one by one by one. Until one day, I didn't even need to forgive anymore. It was just something that happened that I was like, okay, uh, I can get stuck in that or I can move on from that. You know, I worked through the emotions now that probably contribute to creating some sort of panic in me and some sort of distrust uh, to people, distrust to the universe, God, whatever you call it. But I had to go through these emotions to find the trust again, to find the strengths again, and to say, what happened to me in the past will not define who I am now. And that was important to me. And I really, like, I can look at that person now and say, all I feel is love, unconditional love for everyone, even for that person. A lot of people who are victims uh, to things like that will maybe not resonate with what I'm saying right now, but I found a way to love even that person unconditionally because it is still a child of God, a child of universe, and we're all born as children in a perfect state. We're loving, we're caring. So whatever that person experienced in their life that made them who they are, that made them hurt people, it doesn't excuse it. But for me, for myself, for my inner peace, I had to let go of pain, fear, anger, shame, guilt, and replace it with love. And that was my healing from that, you know? Yeah, all of that just kind of changed the way I view things. Every time things happen that we consider bad, I think of there's 
maybe a higher purpose to it. And we still have to try and look at it through the eyes of love. We can't always change what happens, but we can change how we react to it. We can change how we, the energy that we bring into the world from it. That was a big, big part of my healing journey. And just, I remind myself every time when something starts to annoy me or make me angry. I'm still a normal person. I still have all the feelings. I think, okay, look at it through the eyes of love. There's always a reason. How do you want to feel? Because how we feel is our responsibility. You know, how we react to things is our responsibility. With every illness that comes in, I can get upset and get into the victim mentality, or I can say, okay, this is something I need to deal with. I'll embrace it and I'll give it, give my body all my love. I went through several rounds of white cancer treatment just recently in the past few months. It's nothing terrible. The cancer doesn't spread, so it's all good, but it's still kind of an annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> I had to deal with that, but, you know, I just keep feeling like I'm giving love to my body. I'm giving love to myself, taking care of myself. I learned how to set boundaries for myself, take time for myself when I need it. I do a lot of yoga and meditation and I exercise a lot. I love sport now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I go to classes all the time, body weight and Zumba. I love to dance and whatever makes me feel happy and upbeat, I, I do more of that. And that's my goal in life, just be happy and spread that happiness also to my clients, to people around me, and send all that love to everyone. But look, your happiness is infectious. I mean, since you've come on, you haven't stopped smiling. And, you know, to go through what you've been through, as you just said, the rape, and to be able to work through and process all those emotions that you had, and to come through and be in the position you're at now, it is quite remarkable because there are a lot of people who either can't go through that process or don't want to go through that process. And it must take a lot of energy from your side to actually sit down and go through all that with a therapist or whoever you're working with, because you are still reliving what's happened to you. Um, but to see how you are now coming through the other side, it just shows that from for you, it was definitely worth it because, you know, and it might be that in six months time in a year, you still have a, oh, actually, that was a bad experience, but you're, you've worked through the bulk of it. So you're now in a position where I think if anything came back from a memory of it, you would be able to still move forward through it. Absolutely. Actually, it is. When I was working with that woman, I she would tell me about clients that would start working with her and they would stop because it gets so painful to look at those emotions and to relieve those experiences. But for me, there was no other way. I wanted to get better so badly. And I think my children were my biggest motivation because I thought they need their mom and they need their mom healthy and strong. I can't, I can't be a zombie anymore. I want to be right. healthy. I want to feel alive. I wanted to feel alive. I had that really, really strong drive to feel alive, to feel happy, to get out of that funk I was in. Yeah. And that really put me through sitting there and, and feeling pain and crying and just going through it all. But it gave me so much strength, definitely. All of those experiences, I don't regret anything in my life. 
it built me to who I am today. And I think because of those experiences, I can help so many people because I can understand what they're going through. Oh, and I look, can... I mean, yes, I understand 100% where you are there because I think as a counsellor, life coach, whatever we learn and, and train in and read and study is fantastic. However, it's those lived experiences, good or bad, that actually make you a full person when you're counselling, life coaching, uh, psychologist, all those different things, because then you have a higher level of empathy for the person you're speaking to. And if you need to, you can bring your own experience in. But also when they're talking to you, you can sort of be going, well, actually, I know exactly how they're feeling because I've suffered that. I had that. I had this illness. I was raped. You know, all these things come in to make you a full, more rounded person. With how you've moved through that. So what I've found in counseling and psychology is what you find with most people, because you brought it up and you said it really well, was that you had to push through those emotions of anger and shame and resentment and stuff like that. And what tends to happen, and this isn't something that a lot of psychologists and counsellors talk about because they don't want to say, oh, my client left after two weeks. But a lot of people who go for therapy, they might go two or three weeks. And when you start getting to that harder stuff, they don't want to face it, but they don't say, oh, look, I don't want to talk about that. They just don't turn up anymore. And, and that's yeah. not a good place because you've started working through it. And what you just said, you worked through it. It was hard. You cried. You felt shit, but you got through the other end. And, and that's beautiful because if people listen and hear that, then they'll realize that no matter what you've gone through, if you can push through what you pushed through, you come out the other side to be such a whole person again. And as I said before, your smile, you know, you can see how happy you are. So you've worked through the hard stuff to be able to have a good life again. And probably your burnout was still holding on to some of that that happened to you when you were 17. You know, even though you're not physically or mentally thinking about it, it's still in your head. It's still a feeling. It brings up so much trauma that just lies dormant in your system. Absolutely. Exactly. When you find a way to move through all of that, even knowing how hard this can be, you learn how to love yourself despite all of that and letting go of all that. You're just so moved to to share that with other people. And I thought, okay, there's so many young kids, so many young adults that are stuck in this. It took me so long. I mean, I'm, I will be 44 this year. It took me so long to get to that point where I broke down and then and you don't have to get to a breakdown. You know, you can help, you can find help before that. And it was important for me to share that somehow. That's like why this page came about, right? And I just started sharing all of my experiences on that page because I thought, and sometimes I felt a little bit like a weirdo because I, you know, thinking so deeply about things and I would talk to people and they would just look at me and kind of with a question on their face, like, hey, what is, you know, where are you coming from? And I felt a little bit weird and out of place sometimes. And I thought everyone who's feeling out weird and out of place, I want them to find a place, you know, <laughs> come to my kitchen, find yeah. a place. Yeah. I wanted to inspire them to say, if you feel weird, if you feel out of place, there is something inside of you, something very special you're here to share. That was another thing that came through kind of through that journey. And yeah, all of those experiences just 
summed up to this really, really strong, strong feeling of trust inside of me. And I wanted to share that and also give that to my kids. I think that was a big motivation for me too. Oh yeah. Look, to be in a place where you're on medication and you're feeling like a zombie and you can't get through things. Like, I I mean, I say in my lives and uh, in podcasts, you know, I'm not for or against medication, but I think for a lot of people, having some medication where you start therapy allows your brain to slow down a bit so that you can process the thoughts that are going through it, especially if you have anxiety or depression. Sometimes you just need something to sort of slow that down so that you can then verbalize what's happening in your life. And I was similar to you. When I was about 23, I had panic attacks and I was prescribed Xanax. And when I took them, the next three, four hours, I was just like a zombie on the couch. And I got to the point over a few months where I couldn't leave the house unless I had them in my pocket because I thought that saves me. And then gradually I just thought, I don't need these anymore. And I was more addicted to the thought of having them with me. I remember one morning going to work. I couldn't find them. I couldn't go to work. I was running late. And until I found them, I couldn't leave because that was what was going to save me. And then one day I went, no, that's not going to save me. I'm going to save me. I need to work on myself. But as you said before, anyone who's on medication, don't just stop them. Go and see your doctor, your psychologist, psychiatrist, whoever you're seeing and talk to them and see what they think because everybody's in a different position. And, you know, you you would have heard the intro at the beginning of the show that says, you know, this is, we're talking uh, between us and we're not giving you your own advice. Uh, You know, you have to go and speak to a professional, but Look, well done. I wanted to ask, what were you doing as a job before you started coaching? I was actually working in uh, for a government agency. I was renting out spaces to dormitory spaces to students. Okay. I worked there for almost 10 years and I started coaching while I was doing that. Right. So after that, I went to um, mortgage financing. So um, coaching is still, I'm, I'm doing, well, right now I'm doing it full time, but other than that, I was always doing it next to my job, sort of. Yeah. And it was more kind of to find my way into it. You know, yeah. I started saying I really enjoy the sessions because unlike your job, when you go to work full time, you come home drained with a coaching yeah. session. I come drained from work, I do a coaching session, and I feel alive. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. And and not only giving to my clients, it was also kind of giving back to myself because it just made me feel so alive. And just feeling them shift their energy throughout the session. And by the time of this, this session was ending, seeing them going through that shift made me feel alive. So that is definitely something that I want to, expand on more and more and more and help as many people as I can. And and that shows that you're in the right profession, doesn't it? Because, you know, I know myself before a podcast, I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And then I do the podcast, like record, like I'm doing with you. And then I get off the podcast and I sit there for a couple of hours, analyzing what we spoke about and thinking about things. And, you know, and it's so good because it's what I love doing. I love speaking to people and I love finding out about people's lives you know, Mila, you are so interesting. And, you know, to come from a place of 17 where that happened to you and then to have like your breakdown a few years ago and to then come back through and and to work through all that stuff. I mean, it, it is really showing how therapy does work and how it's changed your life around completely because you're in a position where 
you weren't sure what was going on, and now you're a life coach and you're you've dealt with everything that you've all the cards you've been handed in your life. You you've moved through them, and to say that you give love to even that person, that's extraordinary, extraordinary. I know a lot of people cannot resonate. I even had some people comment on that in one of my, um, I think it was on the podcast even, who said, how can you say that? How can you give love to that person? And I say, we have to forgive not because they deserve it. We have to forgive because we deserve peace. Wow. And in way, I want to give love not because he deserves it, because I deserve to fill my heart with love even for that person. Because as long as I feel my heart with hate, with anger, with that's going to destroy me. That's not going to yeah. do anything to him. So the best thing I can do is to fill my heart with love for all of the people that may have hurt me and just let go of that because I'm doing that for me, not for them. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Look, I'm so glad we had this chat. And when I first messaged you, I was like, oh, I don't know. Will she want to come on? Will she want to talk about these things that I'd heard in your podcast? And it was just absolutely beautiful the way you put everything, what you've been through, how you've got through. Um, I'm sort of lost for words because I, I just, and you know, you said people would comment on your post and say, how could you let him do that? And look, in my head, I'm split. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible that you can do that. And on the other hand, I'm like, I've got the anger side in me of what happened to you. But, you know, that's for me to consolidate and to work through. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's just, I don't know if it's a male protective thing or if, well, I guess this guy was a male who did it. So, you know, so look, I've got things going around in my head now that I need to collect and, and think through because obviously I'm not in a place that you're in and it happened to you. So I have to put my uh, judgments aside. And I, you know, for everyone who went through any trauma, there's not one person that can tell you how to do it. You have to find a way how to do it for yourself. And for me, it was healing myself through feeling my heart was love. That's all it was for me, you know, and letting go of that anger, letting go of all of that. So um, there's no one size fit all. I think we'll have to work on it for on our own. Yeah, look, amazing. Look, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to you and to understand your story more and to meet you. It was just it was just beautiful. I'm, I'm really happy with our conversation. It was really, really good. So people can find you at Mila's underscore journey underscore two underscore self on Instagram. Do you have any yeah. other places people can connect with you? Through my Instagram, you can um, then go to my link tree and book a session. There's a link for that. There's also a link to my podcast, which is fairly new. But I do have a few guests lined up, so I um, can't wait uh, to start recording again. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Well, look, when this goes out, I will put all that in the show notes so that people can connect with you. I'm sure people will want to. and But obviously, the easiest place to find you is on Instagram. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for having me. And uh, keep doing the work that you're doing. You're so inspiring. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. 
You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.